0: Something to you right quick. Uh, this guy by the name of Nick Picklewich wrote this. He says, I vividly remember a point in my life when the Bible was completely foreign to me. I had heard and understood the gospel, confessed my sins to the Lord, believed in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, attended church regularly, prayed often, participated in small groups, told other people about Jesus, and even played in the praise band. But amid it all, I knew something big was lacking in my Christian life. Listen to this. I didn't read my Bible. All right. Now now this is, I know this is hitting somebody right between the eyes. I know how many of y'all have been saved before love Jesus coming to church, being involved in ministry, but you didn't spend time in word. Listen to what he said. He says, it wasn't that I never read my Bible. I spot read every now and then I jotted down verses and put them on the fridge. I listened to inspiring sermons on Christian radio and I even memorized a few key verses. Having grown up going to church, I had a small arsenal of about 20 to 30 verses that I knew by heart, and I would trot them out in Christian circles so as not to appear completely ignorant or unspiritual. How many of y'all got your favorite verse you quote? You know that one, but that's all you know, and you sound spiritual when you're in that, in that group. He says, when I, was, when, I, when I was being honest with myself, I really didn't know the Bible. For me, the New Testament felt daunting and Old Testament felt like a foreign language. My lack of Bible knowledge or spiritual understanding had become a source of embarrassment and shame. At one point in my young adult life, I worked for a Christian businessman who often tried to encourage me with the scriptures. However, when he began to notice inconsistencies in my Christian walk, he called me into his office one day and began to press me on my spiritual disciplines. He asked me, are you reading your Bible? Oh, no, he's on to me, I thought. I gave a somewhat rehearsed answer. Well, you know, I miss a day or two here and there, but he was no dumb. He says, what's your favorite verse? Well, I had a handful of canned verses tucked away in my mind from my, my youth group when I was eight years old, and I gave him one of those. It seemed like it worked for the time being. He says, but I didn't want to spend my whole life dodging Bible questions and faking my commitment to Scripture. Furthermore, when I was being honest with myself, I knew full well, Listen to this. I knew full well that even if I was able to fool other people, guess what? I couldn't fool God. If I knew anything at all from Sunday school lessons as a kid, it was that God knew my heart and I was not able to hide from him. And so I had no choice but to confess I didn't love the word of God. More than that, I didn't even know the word of God. He says sadly, I wasn't the only one. So what's the solution? How do we fight biblical illiteracy? And I think the problem is multifaceted. And at the core of the problem, I believe, is a lack of conviction of the Bible's power and ability to change us and make us more like Christ. He went on to say some other things, but I want to stop right there. Listen to to this last part. He said, at the core of the problem, I believe is a lack of conviction of the Bible's power and ability to change us and make us more like Christ. Think about this for a second. Does the scripture that says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed together. Am I right about that? Pressed down, shaken together. shaken together, running over, will men give into your bosom? Bosom is a pocketbook. Or your wallet. Can I break into modern day term? Or grandma's bosom. Any of y'all grandma ever, ever take some money out of bra? <laughs> Maybe that's yours, <too> <laughs> huh? Any y'all grandma ever had money in the bra and pulled it out and gave it? so whatever it's bosom, bra, pocketbook, whatever you want to call it? He says, "Give and it shall be given to you." So if I actually believe that that was true, then me becoming a giver would be would not be a challenge because it says, "Give and it shall be given unto me." Good measure, press together, press down. Press down Shaking together, running over, with men giving, to, I, because I know the scripture now, I'm drawing the blank, so I always got the word, so y'all helping me today, amen? But if I believe that, guys, there's no way in Hades you will stop me from giving, because the text says, it makes a promise, if I give, it shall be given back unto me. The issue is, and the reality is, guys, that many people sitting in the church, like this guy right here, are born-again believers, and if they die, they're going to heaven, but they failed to come to the realization that the Bible, with the help of the Holy Spirit, has the ability to change us and to make us more like Christ. All right, so let's let's go back. We're talking about commitment to change, and I actually last last week had you lost your mind, and we want to lose our mind. Let's go to Philippians the second chapter, verse number two, verse, second chapter verse number five, and I'm going to go back to Second Timothy because this is critically important if we're going to ingratiate ourselves with the mind of Christ, we have to begin to understand that the way God transforms us, the way he changes us is through his word and by his Holy Spirit. And I got to believe that. If I believe that the Bible is true, and if I, if I stand on that, then, then that means that my life, will be governed by the principles and the precepts and the commands that I find in the Holy Scripture. I believe the problem today with the church is is that there are many professed believers sitting up in here, but don't really believe that the Bible has the ability to change their life, to change their mind. That that the revelatory knowledge that's in the Word of God should be the, the precepts and the commands that we use to govern our life, to form our opinions based off of the principles in God's Word. Now watch this from the King James Version of Scripture. We're going to read just this one verse, and then we'll go to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, I believe it is, verse 16 and 17. Because we're trying to lose our mind and gain the mind of Christ. Am I right about it? The text says, and this is Paul, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. There's a colon there after that he goes on to describe the type of mindset that Christ had, the type of mindset that says, I'm willing to leave the privileges of glory and deity in Christ not not deity because he's always fully God yet fully man but he left heaven to come down here to a sinful earth for the express purpose of giving you and I the privilege and the opportunity to enter into a personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth that's what he did That's the kind of mind he had, the mindset that says, I'm willing to lay down what I have to help you. I'm willing to give up some of my privileges. I'm willing to give up uh, uh, the comfort of my easy chair on a Sunday evening or on a Saturday morning and go out and minister and go share. So that through my ministering and sharing, it'll help you to get to a relationship with Christ or to help you to further your walk with the Lord. That's the kind of mind that Christ Jesus had. Now, go to 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, and I believe it's verse 16 and 17. Watch the text here. Now, listen to this, because this is really important, because if you don't believe that the Bible has the ability, when you properly receive it, as it is, not the words of Doyle R. Adam Sr., all right? But if you receive it, like in the book of Acts, those those those. those those men of Berea, they went and the scripture to see whether or not the thing that the apostle said was so. Uh, but, but, but we got to be able to receive the word of God as it is the truth from God's word. It, it's God. It's a message from God down through a man out to the people. Okay. If you look at it, it's just this boy from Benton, Louisiana, who went to school at Louisiana Tech who used to work in banking, now he's passing this church. If you look at it just as Doyle Adams, the human being giving you a message and not a message from God down through the man out to the people, you'll never really fully ingratiate yourself with the word of God as it is the truth of God's word. The text says this, watch this, because we're talking about losing our minds. All scripture is what? Inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us do what? Come on, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It does what? It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what's right. That's what the word of God does. It, 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 God will use it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. That's what God does with the word of God. Now, again, if God does all of the word of God, he uses this to, to, to make us realize what's wrong and teach us to do what's right. And he used it to equip us and prepare us to do every good work. But you don't spend any time with it. You're like the guy here who's saved. Go to church. Be involved. But not really taking serious the word of God and its ability to affect change in your life. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. We all have to, even as a pastor, I have to make sure, and I, I say this all the time, I have to make sure that I don't spend all my time in the word just giving it out to you. Because it's easy to, you know what, when you got a responsibility, nobody, I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to walk into a scenario where I'm unprepared and I'm responsible for leading a discussion and I don't know what I'm talking about. Right? Most people don't want to embarrass themselves that way. Because if you have somebody who's out there studying and then you haven't studied, it can be a little embarrassing when they say, well, no, but pastor, you know, that's not what scripture says right here over here. It says this, Right? So so I don't I don't I, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem getting the word to give you all. But one thing that God has to deal with me on and he, 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 he's always dealing with me on this is that he says, son, you got to get into the word, not just to give out to people, but I need to talk to you about you. I want to talk to you about you. And that means you got to spend some time meditating in scripture so that I can show you yourself. How many of you know the word that God is like a mirror? That's what James says. We, it, it, it shows us ourselves, but the power of God's word to bring about transformation in our life is so real, but we got to believe it and know that it has that power. Can I get a witness and accept it as such? Now, last week, guys, we began to share some things with you we talked about the, fi- the fact that, that God uses some different ways to to initiate change in our life, again, we said the change process involves a partnership between you and God. I thank God that we don't have to try to change ourselves by ourselves. Because some of y'all have tried that. tried to lay this diet, try to lay this whatever, read the latest book, but you were depending on your intellect and your own ability to, to effect change in your life, And it lasted a little while. But see, God is after true transformation. Transformation that, is, that's, that you become more like Christ, not that you just do some stuff like Christ. There's a difference between becoming and just doing. God wants us to become more like Christ. He wants us to be transformed into the express image of his dear son. So we begin to tell you, we said that it starts with, it begins with a decision of faith, right? Until you have made a profession of faith In Christ Jesus, it's going to be very difficult for you to actually experience lasting change. Can I get a witness? Because most of us, guys, if we're honest, most of us are stuck in habits. How many of y'all go to work the same way every day? Come on. It's not a sin. Just come on, talk to me. How many of y'all go the same way every day? I mean, you just routine, right? How many of y'all pretty much eat the same types of food that you have always eaten. How many, how many of y'all pretty, yeah. How many of y'all into trying new stuff? All right, some of y'all trying new stuff, okay. How many of y'all wear your hair the same, well, okay. Okay, excuse me, all right. Some of y'all change hairstyles like you change shoes, okay. But, but a lot of people wear their hair the same way, right? But we get, we get accustomed guys to doing things a certain way, and, and, and sometimes we get locked into that routine and God is saying, I need to shake the church up. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ should always be about changing and transformation. Now, when I say that, guys, I am not talking about changing the message of salvation, the message of Jesus Christ, him crucified on the cross of Calvary, his death, burial and resurrection as the mechanism to get us in right standing with God, that will never change. Because Jesus, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father except what? By me. Glory to God. So, so, so that doesn't change. But guys, I'm here to tell you that, that had not this church changed during the pandemic, we wouldn't have been able to reach and still minister to our members if we kept doing church the way we always did it. Because nobody was here. So we had to gear up. And, 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 and spend some money and get ourselves equipped to do live stream in a way that represented excellence from the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't want to just throw something together and be junky. Because online, if it ain't right, people do what? <laughs> see, if I get you here, if you come to the church and you're here in church and, it's, and we're all thrown off, it's a little bit more difficult to walk out because you came with somebody and they, and they see you. And then, you know, in the old days, how did they you to do it when they get ready to go out? As if nobody can see you walking with your hand in there. It's a little more, it's, it's not as kosher to leave right now while I'm preaching. But if you were at home and you didn't like what I was saying, or if I was just up here saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, P, Q, R, if I just start saying my ABCs over and over again, you're like, what's wrong with this guy? And what would you do? You will click it and go someplace else. All right. But so, so it needs to be right. It needs to be tight. It needs to be of, it needs to represent the excellency, the excellencies that we see in Christ Jesus. I don't believe in doing anything for God at, at a lower level than what you would do for your career or out in the world right? And there are many people who give the world their best. They'll give their careers their best. They'll they'll jump in full force and trying to climb the corporate ladder and at the end of the day when it's over with or when somebody says we no longer need you then all that was not worth it. Your children don't even know you because you were gone all the time. You felt like well I'm provided if I got to show that I'm loving. Baby it's more than just about money. They need your presence. They need to know that you're there with them, that they can count on you to be there, come to some of their ball games and, 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 and be there for, for their activities, school activities in the, in the, in the scholar banquet, whatever they got going on. It's, it's not all about just career, but we'll give our, our be, very best to our, for our careers and then when it comes to the thing of God, we just kind of, wait. Well, I'm tired. Well, you were tired Monday? How many of y'all are tired sometimes when it comes to Monday morning? But what do you do? You roll your happy self up out of that bed and what do you do? Because you're sacrificing because you want financial (laughs) remuneration. You want some money to come back your way. You know it won't come back your way unless you go in and work, correct? All right? All right, so, so... if we will give our best to our careers and to activities out there in the business world, then we ought to do it at a higher level when it comes to the things of God. Are y'all with me today? All right. So, so we don't. We don't. Again, I said all this to say this that we want to do it with the spirit of excellence. And that meant that we had to gear up because we would we're not. We had to change the way we did things. And even when it comes to ministry. Uh, and guys, y'all better put the clock up there because I'll go longer than what I need to go if y'all don't put my time up there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Y'all better say thank, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. All right. Because I can go an hour and a half if I need to. I'm just joking. Okay. Don't leave. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, 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 watch this, guys. All right. So we talked about change starts with a, a, a personal decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior first and foremost. And and guys, we said something. We said that the tools God uses to to facilitate change in us is number one, he uses his word. We just read that in 2 Timothy 3. He uses his word, right? We said he also, he uses his spirit, right? His spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God gives us new strength and energy and the desire and the power to do what is right. As the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Colossians 3 and 11, in that verse, the Christian church we, we see should have, should, should have no barriers as it relates to nationality, as it relates to race, as it relates to education, as it relates to social standing, as it relates to wealth, religion, or power. Christ breaks down all barriers and accepts all people who come to him. Go to Colossians 3 right quick. I want you all to see this. Colossians the third chapter. Watch this. We're all all here. It says, in this new life, it doesn't matter, watch this, if you are a Jew or a Gentile. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Now again, circumcision was a sign, an outward sign of the covenant that the, that the children of Israel had with, with God in the Mosaic law, okay? But but what he's saying here in this new life, in this life in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters. And he lives where? In all of us. The Spirit of Christ, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you are not his. So every believer has the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, but not every believer has been filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled means to be controlled. Remember this passage we quote all the time Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Drunkenness is a sign of being under the influence of that substance. Am I right about it? Y'all ever got a DWI? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> or DUI, driving on. DUI or DWI, they both the same. Driving under the influence means that your driving was noticed by that policeman on the side of the highway and you were going across and swerving because you were under the influence of that alcoholic beverage. And it was, it was noticeable because it, it, it changed the way you drove. And what I'm going to tell you today, guys, if you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, somebody's going to know it. There's going to be a radical difference in the way you live your life. Just say I need to be under the influence. Watch this, watch this, watch this. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, Gentile, circumcised, Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he is, uh, and He lives in all of us. Nothing should keep us from telling others about Christ or accepting into our fellowship any and all believers. Christians should be in the business of building bridges and not walls. Can I say that again? Christians should be in the business of building bridges. Bridges and not walls, God it's a sad commentary that our churches uh, have, 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 have have experienced uh, I just say it like it is segregation for so long The stuff that's happening in society today, uh injustice and, and racial prejudice and all that that stuff wouldn't be at the level that that's that, that at now had not the church stood on the word of God. Rather than on what the community said and what the neighbor said, had not the church been complicit with slavery, on up to civil rights, none of that stuff could have could have fostered, or could have could have gotten to where it got to. Had the church stood up and been the church and said, "This is what the word of God says," can I get a witness? Now, guys, what what I would tell you is is that. Because the church is the instrument of change that God chose to utilize to affect change in earth, the church got to get it right before society gets it right. Can I get two witnesses up in here? And and what what we're seeing and what we're going to experience, I've been telling y'all, God is bringing about change. What we're seeing is is the manifestation of God's presence because God says, "I I got to deal with my church Judgment has to ho- start at the household of God first. Quit trying to get the world right and we messed up up in here. I, can, can, can y'all let me flow with the Holy Spirit just for a second? All right, now watch it, watch it. I need to go back in it because I, I got to share this with you because too many of our, our churches, I believe, have been reluctant to deal with sin in the camp. Do y'all remember, I think the church in and I, uh, they 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 had experienced victory, a great victory. It may have been after Jericho, you know, after Jericho, and then they they ran up against this little small place that they could easily should have been able to easily overtake and win. But but I think the guy was named was it Achan? I think it was, I think it was Achan. Achan Achan stole something. Now, now think about this for a second. In, in other battles, God gave them the ability to take the spoils. Have y'all ever heard the term, to the victors go the spoils? So, in other words, if I come and conquer your city, I take your best women. <laughs> I take your most handsome, handsomeness, that's not a word, but I know I'm made up, the most handsomeness guys. You remember, you remember Daniel and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego in Babylon? in Babylon captivity, they were in captivity because oftentimes as Israel did, God would deliver them and they would, they would worship him. After a while, they forget about God and go whoring after other gods. And God's judgment would come. His judgment was coming, guys, not just to punish them, but to get them back to him. God will do whatever it takes to get you back in his presence. And he will send judgment. And so they would come and he will allow a, a heathen nation to conquer them and the heathen nation would bring back the best and the brightest. Man, Daniel, and those boys, those uh, those Hebrew boys were no were no slouch. They were the best of the best. Okay, and so God God would God would allow it to happen uh, to 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 get the best of the best. But so 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 when we look at uh, 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 the, the the what what God would, would, would try to do through that judgment is to bring His people back to Himself. Can I get a witness? And so as God does that, we got to recognize that, that, that even our own life, there could be some times when God, in order to get our attention to get us back to him, he has to allow some things to happen in our life. Not that he, and we're going to see this, this third component we said he uses the word of God. He uses his spirit. Holy Spirit, how many of y'all have the Holy Spirit has been tugging in your heart to do something or not do something, and you went and, and, and you went against the Holy Spirit's tug or pull? Am I the only one in here? Can, w- will y'all be honest with me? There have been some time where you, 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 the Holy Spirit was saying, don't do it. Don't do it, dummy. Mm, you, you, I know the enemy is telling you how good it's going to feel, but don't do it. He's not going to show you the pain and the heartache. Don't do it. And it was pressing your spirit, but you convinced yourself you got out of yourself, and you have to remove. You, you literally, guys, you, you have to. Re- you almost have to remove yourself from that voice in order to keep on sinning when the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Are y'all with me? So, uh, so He uses Holy Spirit, but 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 He also used circumstances. And, and again, we as a church have to learn how to deal with the stuff that's in the church. Again, I start off by saying this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm back to what I'm saying. God's got to deal with us first. We spent a whole lot of time trying to get the world right. And that's not our job. We all go with me right quick to one Corinthians. I think it's chapter. Brittany, pray, pray, follow with me right quick. I think it's one Corinthians. The fifth chapter. Yes. And we're going to look at one Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number nine. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Y'all, y'all know this. You'd have been there for a period of time. And he, he's writing to the church at Corinth because Corinth, guys, was a very unusual church. It was a church that was flowing with spiritual gifts. I mean, they had prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, healing going on. I mean, it, it, was, it was a gifted church. And many times, guys, you find people who are gifted spiritually, but if their life is not right, it ends up cance- canceling out the effectiveness of their gifting because people see the way they live. So the Corinthian church, here they are going along, but they had a lot of junk going on in the church. Okay? Sexual immorality in particular was very rampant in the Corinthian church. Now watch what Paul says here. I'm just going to start at verse number nine because he starts this chapter out, guys. Go back and read it when you get home. He starts this chapter out. Dealing with this church as they relate to a guy who was in the church who was sleeping with his stepmama, his dad, his wife. She was having, he was having a, an adulterous relationship with his stepmother. And the church knew about it and didn't say anything about it. Now, let that sink in for a second. I didn't say the club scene or the world scene. I said this was happening in the church, guys. So Paul, Paul says, Paul says, listen, I, this stuff ain't even happening out in the world. And I got to, Paul says, here's what you got to do. Y'all go back and read it. I'm not making this up. Paul says, y'all got to deal with this guy. If he doesn't want to repent, then you got to disfellowship him. Because sin in the camp is like poison in the camp. All right, y'all don't believe me. Y'all believe, go back to verse one. I, I, some, I feel that some of y'all don't believe fat Me greasy. Let's go to verse one. Come on, let's go. Watch this, watch this. Watch this. He says, "I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you—something that even pagans don't do." I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. He says, "You're so proud of yourself, but you should be mourning and sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship." Now we don't do this in church nowadays. So we think, "Well, everybody got a little sin, you, but Pastor, you know, we can't, you can't, you know, all those guys got Yeah, we all do, but this is this is flagrant. I couldn't even get that out. Flagrant disregard to the oracles of God. And see, guys, church discipline ought to be handled in a a, a God-honoring way. You don't put people on blast. You go to them one-on-one and talk about their sin between you and them alone. Okay? But but we were past that point here. Even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. What did Paul say? I've already did what? What did Paul say? I've already did what? Don't judge me. What did Paul just say? I've already passed judgment on this man. In other words, he was not talking about the man necessarily salvation, but he was talking about the man and what he was doing. You ought to judge sin, not the person's salvation, because none of us, that's, that's above all of our pay grade. The truth be told, I may think you going to heaven, but you may not be no more saved than a man on the moon. Well, a man on the moon could be saved, but you're no more, you're no more saved than, than, a, than a monkey in the jungle or whatever, whatever or, a tiger on, on, on the hill. In other words, animals don't receive salvation. So, I don't know that that's not my job. I got lost there for a second, y'all. <laughs> Even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I've already passed judgment on this man. Watch what it says, verse 4. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Look look, look what he says, verse 5. Let's go. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Now, watch this. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a ye- little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? If you let sin go unchecked, it'll spread. It. Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. I didn't say it. The Bible said this. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. It's amazing. You know, Sometimes even in, in the athletic field, you may have a, a guy who's talented, but he's got a bad attitude, poisonous attitude. Just, you know, uh, I'm just going to throw this guy's name out, but you know, he was a great athlete, great receiver, Terrell Owens. Yeah, hey, I remember Terrell Owens. T.O. was a great receiver, but T.O. was poisonous for the locker room. And there are other players that, 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 uh, that are probably still in the NBA, the NFL, that, that were uh, great athletes, but they were terrible teammates. And, it, and, and the team got better when they left in a lot of cases. Because that kind of stuff will, will spread throughout the locker room. Bad attitude has a way of spreading, just like a good attitude will. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. Let's go. Verse 9, back up. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Next verse says what? It says, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy or who treat, cheat people. Listen to what Paul is saying. Paul says, I'm not, t- listen, if you're going to win people to Christ, you got to be around them. More than just saying, come go to church with me. you got to spend time with people. you got to be in a relationship with people. People who, who may not look like you, who may do stuff differently than you do it. If they're unsaved, they're going to do stuff different than you. They're thinking it's going to be not like yours, so don't expect it to be. So quit trying to change their mind. That their, their mind can't get changed until they get into Christ first. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy, who cheat people or worship idols. You have to leave this world to avoid people like that. So I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard. Or who cheats people? said, don't even eat with these people. Look, the next verse. Watch this. We we'll won't get to. It isn't. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church. It certainly is your. It certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Now, now, now mind, mind, Be mindful of what he's saying here. This guy. This was public knowledge about what this guy was doing. I mean, it was all out there. This is the, Ideally, this should have been handled privately, but this guy it went to the point where it was just public. They got to the point they didn't care who knew. They didn't know they didn't care who knew that they were into this in this adulterous type sin. Okay? Now guys, guys, people mess up, and the church should be there to help pick people up, not Amen? Because if I if I open the door of your closet, there's some stuff in there you don't want me to see. Let me come to this side of it. If I open the door to your closet, there's some stuff in there that you probably don't want all of us to see. And you better thank God that it's no longer there because the blood of Jesus wiped away your sins. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I thank God that his blood washed away my sins, my mess ups. Anybody out there willing to admit that you had some mess ups. I need some hands raised and you get your prideful hand up in there. (laughs) Since you've been born again, you got some mess ups, some sin that the blood washed away. Oh, I thank God for the blood. Oh, I thank God for Jesus Christ going to the cross of Calvary. Oh, I thank God because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the blood. So in my responsibility, judge, I, I didn't mean to get sidetracked with it, but somebody needs to hear this. And if you've fallen in sin, quit letting the devil uh, beat you up and you, God has forgiven you. As a matter of fact, when you bring it up to him, he said, what are you talking about, Willis? He wouldn't say Willis. That's an old different strokes reference. Y'all remember that? Okay. Because the blood washed it away. Okay. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those in the church who are sinning, okay? So, so God God uses his word, his spirit, and he uses circumstances to get us where we need to be. So, we, we got to make sure, guys, that, that as a church, we are a church that's, that's building bridges and not walls. Christ has broken down the walls. That's what he said in Colossians, and I, I got sidetracked. But in Colossians, the third chapter, that's what he talks about. Uh a church that's, that's walking in spirit will 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 be able to to get there. Now, again, the third thing he uses is, is circumstances. He uses circumstances, um, problems, pressures, heartaches, difficulties, etc. They always get our attention. Now, you can be rolling along in life, and uh, you're you you're there doing your thing. And guys, let me say this right quick. You know, during this pandemic, there are a lot of people, uh, Christians and non-Christians alike, who 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 went into what I call spiritual doldrums, just kind of in a, bl- a blase, blase, kind of lackadaisical. Okay, you know, um, I, I first thought off I couldn't go to church. Now I don't want to go to church. Are you with me? And 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 again, I, 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 listen. Don't, 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 don't you dare uh, take this the wrong way. I know that there are people because of medical reasons have to be very careful because we still are in the pandemic. All right. But there's a difference between being careful and being paranoid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Think about this for a second. If you send your kid to school And then they precautionary measures to make sure your child stays safe. You send them to school and they say the CDC says three feet difference in school, a a social distance, masking up. And I know around here, you know, here lately there has not been a serious, serious outbreak. As a matter of fact, I I said before, I thank God that nobody can trace their, their, their COVID diagnosis to the church. I mean, I'm just... Because we, we try to take precautions to make sure that you feel safe. But you got to be careful because the enemy plays on your mindset. The enemy will have you paranoid to the point because all he's trying to do to get you to forsake the assembling of yourself together. And So, so there's one thing to be careful, be mindful, to be, take the precautionary measures. And There's another thing to get into paranoia. And some of y'all are paranoid. And that... Paranoia I think comes from the enemy messing with our mindset. Are y'all track with me? So if, if I can send my child to school, why couldn't I send my child to youth group, to church? Is it any different? Okay? So I just want I, I want to help somebody. Okay? And and again, those 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 that are that, that, that need to be socially distanced and need to need to stay doing it live stream until such because of medical by God, do that, please. All right? I thank God that we got a tool to help you to connect with us. So I'm not knocking the tool. As a matter of fact, it's it's enabled us to reach more people, if you want to be honest about it. And it's given us the tool to get more people involved in our discipleship training. I thank God for that. But I'm after those folks who God, the Holy Spirit, been talking to you. The Holy Spirit been telling you, now, you got to get up and move. Get up out. Shake yourself up. Take off the sackcloth and ashes. It's this time to get back to work. Let's go and do some ministry. Because God still is using people during times like this. Okay? So I just want to encourage it. But God will use circumstances to get us to move. Go to Romans 8 chapter verse number 28 and 29. Let's go. Come on. Got to move. The interest, guys, the interesting thing about how God uses circumstances is that the source of the circumstance makes no difference to him. I told you all this before. The source of the circumstance don't make no difference to him. The devil could have sent it. <laughs> um You could have brought the problem on yourself by bad decisions, bad judgments, and sin. How many of y'all know quit blaming the devil for everything? Some stuff we do ourselves. Some stuff we are going through and we're walking through because we made a bad choice. The devil didn't have anything to do with that. Remember the the old comedy show with Flip Wilson? And Flip Wilson's tagline was, it was Geraldine, wasn't it? The devil made me do it. Well, there's some stuff, guys, I'm convinced that it's not the devil, it's just us, our flesh. Cause there's no good things dwelling in our flesh. Sometimes our flesh won't what it wants, and then we go and get what we want. And then we won't to try to blame the devil. The devil said, No, nah, that ain't on me, that's on you. All right? Watch this, guys. So God so so my point is God'll use circumstance to get us get to get our focus back to him. And it doesn't matter to him, guys. How the circumstances arrive. Other times, our problems are caused by other people, yes, and sometimes the devil causes things to happen to us, like he did with Job. But God says the source of the circumstance doesn't matter. He will still use it in your life. He will fit it into His great plan for your life to make you more like Jesus. I know it was tough, the loss of a loved one. I know it was tough to lose the loss of job. Uh, but how many of y'all? How many of y'all can can testify? Uh, 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 Sister Bart, I always use you with this one. Uh, you got, she and I worked at the bank together for a number of years, and she got laid off. Her job got dissipated. But but with that job going away, ultimately cast you into your destiny, to doing what you were put on this earth to do. Amen? And sometimes in life, guys, we'll look at a circumstance as a, as, as a point in time, but we can sometimes we need to pull back and get a bird's eye view. Hello? Get a bird's eye view. I, I I heard a guy say this, and it was so profound. He was talking, he was sharing and message, and he was talking about uh, the racial climate and what was happening in, in America. And and the question was that, and the guy was really on point with what he was saying. And and, he, and some, some people were saying, well, things are not any better than what they were in 1965. He says, I, I, I differ with that. He says, because if, if, if you think it's not any better, then you, you you got a small viewpoint. You're just looking right here. You need to span back out. Guys, there's a whole lot of difference in 1965 and in, in, in 2021. So don't say that the Lord hasn't been moving because if you do that, you, you think God ain't moving. All right? Sometimes you got to pull back and get a bigger viewpoint. I see the Lord moving in a mighty way. And I see him moving in the church, and he's doing some things. So stop, stop being so narrow in your focus, and stop mind-boggling listening to CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC all day long, and let the Word of God transform your mind. Can I get two witnesses out there? All you news junkies. I was a news junkie. I keep up what was going on, but you got to pull away from that because the devil will use whatever he can and whatever story to kind of shape your mindset. Let's get back to the book. Look at neighbors and neighbor. Let's get back to the book. Now, now. so, so God uses circumstances. Oh, look, look at Proverbs 20 and 30. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Right here, right here, right here. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. For them. Back to, back to that one more time. I, I need us to read it together. Can we read it together? Can y'all read with me? Online, folks, do y'all read with me? Let's go. He says, what? And we know that God causes every... Stop. Did it just say everything? Yeah. <laughs> pastor, no, 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 pastor. The Bible is wrong there. That could not have worked for my good. Well, guys, again, remember, in isolation, in that moment of time, you think it's the worst thing in the world that JoJo left you. First of all, JoJo wasn't no good in the first place. All your friends tried to tell you about JoJo, but you were insisting that you marry JoJo. JoJo was cheating on you with five women before you got married. If your name JoJo, I'm sorry. I I don't don't know anybody named that. (laughs) You didn't get free and begin to know who you were. Now, again, divorce is not God's will. I understand that. But, but it, it, in, in my example, sometimes we, can't, we think that's the worst thing in the world that happened. And then when we span out and get a bird's eye view, we see how our life began to change. And God was able to get to us because now Jojo was your idol. not that the idol is out of the way, God can speak to you. Mm-hmm. You're listening more now. And it started with him leaving you. So give, everybody say, big picture. All right, look back over your life, guys. I'm telling tell you, uh, one, some, one person said this, and I believe it to be true, we, we understand life looking backwards. Sometimes when we're going through it and when we're in the middle of it, we can't understand it. But look at what it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together. Not work in isolation, but together. God will take something over here and something over there and something over there and something back here and put it together and work it out for your good. For those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. Watch this. Watch this. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So God will take stuff that seems mundane insignificant. He'll take stuff that seems like it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a negative thing and it, by itself it is negative but God will take that negativity and, and put it together with something else and cause your life to be better. I've seen it do it time and time again. My salvation, guys. My, let me say, y'all heard my testimony before. My salvation, um, gosh. My salvation came as a result of me doing something uh, as a teenager that I shouldn't have done. Can I say it again? My salvation came as a result of me as a teenager, and, and guys. And I, I used to be hesitant to tell this, but I don't know why. Because the enemy won't, don't want you to tell your story. Because your story can bless somebody else. When I got my girlfriend pregnant as a teenager, it scared the living daylights out of me. Okay. Where's my baby, I, I, Tanya? If you can hear me, come out here right quick, okay? But I'm, I'm but, but, but I'm, I'm gonna tell you. If you were to take that in isolation and say that's the worst thing in the world, that could happen. But I'm here to tell you right now. And, 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 and guys, here's one reason why I, 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 I would tell you abortion, I, I hate to send, God hates to send abortion. I, God will forgive you, but, but the abortion uh, can't be a can't be thing. Cause, come here, baby. Come here. I know you didn't know I was going to do this. And sometimes pastors have to surprise people. Your dad have to surprise people. But this little girl right here, I'm gonna tell you something. When that, when that, when that, that selfish, you know, me, star athlete, um, good grades, Mister Benton High School, all that stuff, I was the guy that wasn't supposed to do this. And when it happened. All kind of stuff was thrown through my mind. Because I was thinking about myself. I was, I, was, I was getting selfish with me. What are people going to think about me? I, to be quite honest, guys, I wasn't thinking about her mother. I was thinking about me. Star athlete. Good grades. What, what are people going to think? And I can remember thinking in my mind, and I don't know if I ever said it to her mother or not, but I, I, I remember thinking in my mind, we got to fix this. and had we fixed that this beautiful awesome Aryan mother Santress, beautiful daughter of mine would have been here So that situation that drove me to really begin stop hanging out with the guys and trying to fit in with everybody and do this thing, that decision drove me to a Bible study at Don W. Anderson's mother's house on a Wednesday night, searching for what life really meant. And at that Bible study, I drove down Highway 3. It's my testimony. In my 1970 Trans Am, I'm in the 10th grade driving a 1970 classic Trans Am. it run, Gary, it run. <laughs> <laughs> and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because the circumstance drove me to start to investigate the fact that I was just coming to church because I had to come to church. My mom and daddy made me come to church. Daddy wouldn't come to church, but he made me come to church. And that made me mad. <laughs> And God saved me through the circumstance. And this thing that the enemy tried to get me to do or to suggest, I thank God I had enough sense not to keep my mouth shut. And God has birthed this beautiful life. Guys, you don't know who the next Billy Graham is going to be. So, God, life is precious. Thank you, baby. I love you. I love you too, Dad. <laughs> okay, thank you. Somebody need to hear that. He uses... So God, man, I only got... I'm so sorry. Yes. I got to get better. Will y'all pray for me? Will y'all pray for me? I got to get better, guys. I got to get better. All right. So, So, here's what we're going to do next week. Next week we're going to talk about the six characteristics of the Christ-like mind. I hope I helped somebody today. Jesus died so that you and I may live. He went to the cross of Calvary. Suffered an antagonizing death so that you and I might live. You may think that you've done the worst thing in the world and that God can't possibly forgive you. Let me tell you something. The only thing that God can't forgive is you rejecting him as personal Savior. Because there ain't no other way. I don't care what you done did, what you've been, God is able to heal you, to cleanse you. To sets you free but we're going we're to gonna delve some more into the mind of Christ because as your pastor I want you to lose your mind in a positive sense and this, this is no when I say this, this is no reflection on anybody who may be suffering with mental illness and that type of thing don't, don't, let, don't let the devil go there Okay, this is about us replacing our way of thinking with God's way of thinking when it says, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ, that means that you have a choice. Jesus is not going to come and drill his word in your head. You got to participate. You got to choose to participate. Amen. You got to choose. Never hit by a close.